0: Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure; it's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
1: Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry.
2: You know what that, what that music means, ladies and gentlemen. It means a UFC pay-per-view has come to an end. It's sound of triumph. Triumph. Leon Edwards. And in some cases, it's the sound of confusion. Because promotion and a president of a promotion who, who does fights after pay events has been made already for Leon Edwards. He has Challenger to talk about that and a whole lot, whole lot following a, a memorable return to london england england for the ultimate fighting championship welcome to the ufc 286 post-fight show buddy
3: I- hey i'm hearing like six of you mike so i don't know if this is a me thing or if it's on the broadcast thing but okay, everything you're saying is coming through me. like four times
4: yeah. i was about sorry i was about, I,
5: about th- it was just me.
4: <laughs> I was about to jump right in i don't know what happened we were we were hey we were good Five seconds ago. Were we're sure if,
3: if we, were, we, were we were good. We were good. We were good. I'm glad it wasn't me because I was trying to like slack you, Casey. Be like, no, I, I, I don't know it. if I need to reconnect or something, but I was this hitting is everybody and I was like, show I'm, to do. I'm like, what is happening?
5: We we literally <laughs> did a whole entire lengthy sound check before yeah, this. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It right? When we started. It went went through crap. You got to love this. Right,
3: right, right, well. right as we t- <laughs>
5: See, this is what happens when the post shows aren't at like 4 a.m. We're, we're not ready for this. <laughs> yeah, we have light outside. This is weird. I have
4: light, How lucky so.
3: for you all to have light outside. And for us to have had great fights, I'm taking over as Mike <laughs> is gone. He'll get back and we'll figure this out. But <laughs> right, UFC 286. Okay, <laughs> hello. There's my
5: man. There's
3: my man. Mike Hack is back. Thank goodness. I was going to have to. It was working. Thing. I was
5: so happy.
2: I was so happy everything was working. And son of a gun.
4: All right, okay, we're good. All right, welcome the to the post-fight
2: show, everybody. Okay, welcome to the post-fight show, everybody. Leon Edwards, Shaheen Alshadi, is still the welterweight champion of the world. He defeats Kamara Usman. He wraps up the trilogy two to one. I scored the fight like the two judges who scored it for Leon Edwards. I thought he won four of the rounds. Of course, he lost a point in round three. 48-46 how I scored it. Did you agree with the cards? Did you score it the same way?
5: uh no i mean i had it 47 47 uh ultimately the you know that point getting taken away kind of put me into a draw situation i had i had it tied uh i can't i'm I'm bad at math on the fly but i had it tied going into the championship rounds and then i ended up sort of with that tie in the end but ultimately i can't complain about the scorecards whatsoever i felt like it was either you had it tied or you had leon winning uh in the way that he did so i think the right man won if this went by pride rules which you know me I'm always, if this goes by pride rules type of guy, uh, that's the ultimate decider. If this goes by pride rules, Leon won the fight. Uh, again, the point deduction really kind of looms large over all of this if you think it's a draw. So I have no problem with it. And man, all the credit in the world to Leon Edwards, right? Like this is such a different type of result than the one we saw last year where it even after that fight even after like one of the most iconic highlights in ufc history one of the probably the craziest comeback in the history of the sport at least on a championship level at least on that type of platform there was always that way you could sort of snip in the 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 butt right the big butt oh you know but leon was losing but it was kind of a fluke but it was kind of a miracle finish but did he really deserve it but kamaru usman dominated him for for most of that fight you can't say that anymore, man. Leon Edwards is a deserving UFC welterweight champion. Uh, this man who for so long just had to eat crap from everybody on his way to the top who got forced to basically win or not lose 12 fights in a row on his on his path to the title. He finally gets the flowers that he deserves. He is finally there in the place that he probably should have been a, a lot longer ago. Uh, but he made it, man. He validated all of it. You can't say anything about Leon Edwards now. He is the UFC welterweight champion, and that was one hell of a performance. Jed, your reaction to the Edwards win, and what was your scorecard for
2: this fight?
3: I had it the same as the two judges. Uh, I had it 49-45, right, because of the point deduction. I thought Edwards won four rounds. If you wanted to score um, two rounds for for Usman, don't have a huge issue with it, Uh, but... Uh, he he didn't have anything for him, man. The right guy won by every definition for me. Uh, Usman could not replicate what success he had in the rematch. Couldn't get takedowns, couldn't keep the ones that he got almost at all. Leon was incredibly well-prepared for what was coming in this fight, felt much better than in the rematch. Obviously, doesn't come away with the finish, but arguably a more impressive win to... Uh, To beat Kamaru Usman like that, because we've never seen Kamaru Usman get knocked out, certainly, but we've really never seen anybody kind of shut him down as completely as Leon did. Uh, Wasn't the world's greatest fight, but I mean, the, the champ, the champ's here. He's got a name. It's Leon Edwards.
5: Also, if I if yeah, I can just add, I mean, uh, to me, like, this one was so important for Leon because it validated the head kick and the way that last fight ended in such a profound way, right? Because we've already seen this happen just even recently, right? With Amanda Nunes and, and Juliana Pena. As soon as that other – that that next fight played out and Amanda did what I think a lot of us thought she was going to do in the previous fight – how we're not mentioning juliana pena in the same type of way we're not looking at that win in the same type of way and you know for a fact that the exact same type of thing would have happened to leon if kamaru came out here and put on a a classic kamaru usman performance suddenly that fifth round head kick would look so different just from a historical perspective from the way we remember it just from all of it it would feel so much less significant uh, if, if Leon came out here and kind of laid an egg tonight, and he absolutely did not, so again, I, that is so utterly validating for what Leon did last year, and I and you can't help but be happy for the man. I mean, he has been through so much, uh, and again, you just can't poke holes in this one.
2: Yeah, it wasn't the world's greatest fight, but it was still incredibly fascinating just watching it all play out and then watching Leon lose the point and trying to see how Kamara would come back, kept going to the takedowns in round four, kept going to them in round five. And a lot of those rounds were really, really close. So it, I mean, especially following Justin Gaethje versus Raphael Fiziev, which, which we'll get to, it was still fascinating in its own way. So I did enjoy watching the fight and, and enjoyed watching it play out. Now we're going to get to the aftermath for Leon Edwards be, because that is almost become a story almost bigger than the actual title defense but jed i want to go back to you because we talked about this on btl and we talked about this on the preview show about the stakes of this fight not just for the winner but for the loser where does the loser go from this fight and you felt that no matter who lost yeah it stings but it it wasn't a devastating loss for either guy having watched the fight seeing Usman lose the second straight fight, seeing how he looked in a lot of ways. Do you feel the same way?
3: Yeah. It's not devastating for the same reasons I said coming into this. It it is not that a loss isn't bad or sucks for Usman. It very clearly does. Uh, There's a champion that he has now lost to twice in back-to-back fights. I know he said in his post-fight speech, he'll see me again. That is incredibly unlikely. Uh, So, I mean, that is unfortunate for him. But... It doesn't change where he is. He's still the second greatest welterweight of all time. I, I don't think there's much of an argument for his status is there. He's a future Hall of Famer. Like his legacy is locked and secured. He and and like I said, I kind of think that he his legacy was locked either way. If he reclaims the belt. It's better, right? Like it, it's obviously better for him historically, but I think the loss to to Edwards had probably removed him from pursuing George St. Pierre as the greatest welterweight of all time. Uh, I will say that this loss is wor- it is worse for him, or it's it's made worse by the fact of how he looked, which is he he is clearly not doesn't have his fastball anymore like kind of thought that that would be coming for a while he's about to be 36 fighters don't age historically well in general it's just hard to be at the top for as long as he did and he had limited success in this fight in, in anything like he wasn't out of class or totally out of his league but he couldn't get his offense going against a younger guy who isn't peak peak form right now and so i think it's it's bad for his future prospects i mean he can still beat a lot of welterweights and maybe most if not all of them but there's a fresh batch of hitters coming man and i don't if he seems intent to keep fighting and now he's going to have a huge target on him because everybody wants to be a guy who beats a former champion gets himself into a title fight you know shavkat Rachmanov maybe is fighting Bilal muhammad apparently but if not <laughs> it, there are there are some young dudes coming up that are going to be problematic for him because i think he's clearly past his athletic peak now and so he's gonna have to get by a lot more on craft and guile and it's just really hard it's really really hard to do that in this sport so but ultimately i don't think this. it's it's not a huge loss it is a huge loss for all the reasons that we know but He's he's set in stone, man. He's the second greatest welterweight of all time and a future Hall of Famer. Like you can't ask for much more than that for an MMA career.
2: Oh, I completely agree with you on the legacy part of it. Um, he he is, I mean, he's locked and set as the second greatest welterweight of all time, and this loss doesn't hamper that at all. But that's the long term and and kind of just the, the legacy term of it. But Shaheen, the here and now for Kamara Usman, he see he says he wants to. Go home, talk to his coaches, spend some time with his daughter, and then get back because he gets a little antsy. He doesn't want, like to sit around for too long. So where does he go from here? Because it feels like he's fought a lot of these guys already. So I, I just don't know how to – and I'm going to try to match make for him tomorrow morning with AK, but where does he go from this loss? I mean the legacy's set, but as far as his right here and now as, as a UFC fighter, where does he go from this loss?
5: I mean, he kind of goes the same direction that that a lot of these ex-champs at the end of their – I wouldn't say end of their careers, but he he does – he's certainly closer to the end than the beginning. I mean, he sort of goes in the same direction all of them did. I mean, Anderson – we saw all of the greats have done this. Anderson Silva has done this. Like, that's just sort of what we do, right? Like, he's going to fight the Jeff Niels of the world. Maybe he'll fight the Shavkat Rachmanovs of the world. He'll fight – he'll sort of get thrown into that group along with everyone else, he'll be the Max Holloway of this division for as long as he, his knees and sort of his body can hold up to it. I mean, this is this was inevitable at some point, right? Like we've been saying this for a long time, that Kamar Usman is an older fighter in this division. He has had bad knees for the majority of his career. At some point, that's going to catch up at least a little bit, at least that tiny sliver enough to where the rest of the division can sort of catch up to where he is. And it feels like maybe we've reached that point. Uh, ultimately, it, it I mean, like Jed said, there is not – like if you're Kamar Usman, you you succeeded, man. Like you did it. You did the thing, dude. Like he, he came into the UFC. When he came into the UFC, I don't think anybody out here was saying this. We, we're about to see the second greatest welterweight of all time just run roughshod over this division for the next 10 years. Like the, the fact that he was able to pull this off and really – Have this incredible run that he had over the course of the start of his UFC career and through the majority of it. Most fighters cannot say that, right? Like he had a better career than ninety nine percent of UFC fighters, of MMA fighters. Like he is who he is at this point. Just like Jed said, he is the second greatest welterweight of all time. That is an incredible feat. Like I I, want to repeat that. That is an incredible feat. There is no way to understate how incredible that is. Especially when the the greatest welterweight of all time is the dude who's you know, mentioned in the top two goat status of all time in GSP. Like what Kamaro did is incredible. I think very few people would have predicted it back when he came on the Ultimate Fighter uh, and made his debut in the promotion. So all the credit in the world to Kamaro, but yeah, I, I, I'm sure he's just going to take sort of a Max Holloway route now and be sort of almost the highest level version of a gatekeeper as someone could possibly be for 170 for however long uh, his body and his knees can seemingly hold up. Or He's got such
3: a yeah, go ahead. Or we see what happens with Alex Pereira versus Israel DeSunya too. Look, no. he he didn't have his he no. doesn't have his fastball anymore, but the dude can still wrestle, and Alex Pereira is Alex Pereira. Like that fight has some legs to it. He might have to take one more, but
5: that's the thing. He would have to be a high level middleweight. Contender okay. to get that. Like they're they're not gonna shepherd do you, him Do right you into think the
3: title it's track. do you think it's crazy for him to beat Dricus 2 Because I don't. I think I mean, that's an isn't that guy, guy fight for him.
5: Drikus isn't that guy though. Like he would have to beat a Marvin Vittori or someone who's the one I would go with. Like in that spot.
3: I also think he could beat Marvin Vittori, too.
5: I think Marvin's like just a bigger version of Kamaru in a way. Like, he, right? like he's Kamaru, just sort of that no, bigger grind.
3: Kumaru was gonna fight for the light heavyweight belt. Shaheen, so no, don't I just, you be talking about Maru Vittori. <laughs> Look, I will also shouts to him. He's the greatest <laughs> tough champion ever or tough fighter ever. So, you know, that probably means okay. something. So good for un, got Unequivocally the greatest tough fighter of all time.
5: I mean, TJ Dillashaw's probably in that convo, but also there's a lot of TJ Dillashaw baggage that we could throw is in T- there. Is
3: TJ <laughs> Dillashaw, you think he's in the conversation with Kamaru Usman? <laughs>
5: I'm just saying this. Lineback. I think Kamaru Usman has I'm not going to be the one no, to argue that, but I just want to... I don't
3: think Kamar Usman has a close second in the greatest tough champion combo. Yeah. Also, oh, Dillashaw, also, Dillashaw did lose tough, so that also hurts him really badly.
5: Oh, yeah. That's right. Good old John
2: Dotson. You, you
3: forget John Dotson slabbed that man in the tough finale. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, look. It, in, if Kamaru chooses not to fight again, he's got a very bright future outside of the cage, whether it's in movies and acting or even commentary. I think he's really, really good in that role. Um, so he'll be fine. He'll be fine. I, I hope. I would like to see him fight again if he if he wants to, and we'll see what happens. But the big story, gentlemen, coming out of this, and I want to go to you, Shaheen, because you said Leon Edwards is a guy who. You know, doesn't really have to eat the crap anymore. But guess what? He kind of does because we were talking throughout this entire build that if Leon Edwards wins this fight, he puts himself in a really interesting position. He's not like sitting at the big star table, but he gets a little bit of clout and he's got some really unique and interesting opportunities in front of him where he can essentially... Not win prize fighting, but he puts himself at the prize fighting table where he could fight a Jorge Masvidal and settle a rivalry, or he could fight certain individuals, maybe get a Conor McGregor fight since Conor has expressed interest in going up to 170. That conversation lasted about 12 seconds because Dana White sat down at the press conference and he said unequivocally, Colby Covington, who weighed in as the backup, is next in line. The tune changed from Friday, where he said, eh, I'm not ready to say he's the number one contender, but he's right there. He's in the mix, so to speak. And then even when he was asked, appropriately, what happens if Jorge Mazadal beats Gilbert Burns? What if he goes out there and knocks out Gilbert Burns in three weeks' time at UFC 287? And Dana White said, it don't matter what anybody does. Colby Covington deserves it. He gets the next I'm... shot, no matter what. So Shaheen Alshadi... Your reaction to this for, again, we don't make fights after the fight. He made one pretty damn quick. Did he not?
5: I just love the, he deserves it. Like that's, that's a, that's an incredible sentence, right? Like, like deserve, the word deserves is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence, like that you're reinventing what the word deserves mean. I can't imagine what Leon Edwards In his heart of hearts like he already told us what he thinks of this but like his real unadulterated thoughts on this i would love to just peer into his mind and actually hear it because if you just put yourself in leon edwards place for for half a second here this is someone who had to basically work to the bone to do the impossible to to be unbeaten in 12 straight fights to get to this point like he worked harder than almost anyone ever has to be able to earn a title shot and then really had to do it he had to do it twice he had to really to become this sort of undisputed no questions asked champion he has worked so obscenely hard over basically the last like eight years to be able to get to this point and to be that guy to be that guy at the pinnacle of your career, the, the height. You just did it. You beat Kamaru twice. You beat the second best welterweight of all time twice. And you get like five minutes to like really revel in that before you're hearing that a man who – uh, basically has just sat around for, for you know a year, a man who was uninjured for that whole year, a man who hasn't beaten anybody coming off of a win since 2018, which is five years. I don't know if you realize it's 2023. That's five years ago. A man who has no wins over the current UFC welterweight top 10, a man who has only fought one person in the entire top 15 of the UFC welterweight ranks. One person. And that one person was Jorge Masvidal, who is pretty irrelevant to the title conversation that that's the guy that's the guy now who's going to be gifted the next the first title shot against you in this post Usman era like I cannot imagine what Leon actually thinks of this like it is it is it is so supremely silly that we have reached this point point. And, and frankly it's it's somewhat of a disservice to Leon Edwards that we're having to talk about this on a night where again this is the pinnacle of his career And now this Colby Covington thing has completely almost overshadowed it to a certain degree to where when I look around the space, that's what most people are talking about rather than giving Leon the flowers and the props that he should be receiving for what was a a very, very good performance to cement his legacy. And yet here we are. We are talking about this because the UFC is forcing us to talk about this. And it just is so silly, man. It is just so silly. We are – the welterweight division – is full of dudes who have been grinding and trying so hard to get this opportunity. But Muhammad's out here, what like nine straight fights unbeaten. He is doing everything possible to get into this spot. And Hey, here you go. You get Shavkat Rachmanov. That's what we give you. You get to go fight Shavkat for your, for your title shot. Meanwhile, we'll just continue gifting Colby these opportunities that frankly, most of them are not deserved uh, just until he kind of wins one. That's what it almost feels like. It's like, hey, we're just going to keep giving this dude this opportunity until he finally does it. Uh, Right now, this guy is just floating off of almost losing – or sorry, almost beating the ex-champion a couple years ago. That's sort of the resume right now for Colby Covington, and this is the guy who we're hearing deserves it. This is the guy who makes the most sense. And the thing is, like, it's not as if – this is like because I've already seen people throw out like oh what are, you didn't say this about Stipe what about Connor what about Henry Cejudo like I did of,
3: I said it about Stipe I said the
5: shit all, out yeah. of this
3: about Stipe
5: first of all a lot of us said it about all of those people so like when, when you're saying that that's just baseless but also there is one thing that all of those dudes that you were talking about have in common and it's that they're former champions they've done it. They have won the ufc title they were there they were in that pole position at one point in their career colby's never done that man like he won a phony interim belt because the ufc was kind of mad at tyron woodley like, like the it just is so silly <laughs> that like this is what we're talking about now no one was even thinking of colby covington in the title conversation as this next man up until 48 hours ago when all of a sudden he appeared in london and we saw him for the first time in a year Uh, And all of a sudden, he was just this guy who was secretly pushed into this spot. He wasn't in that conversation. We were talking about, like, hey, like, Hamzat and and Bilal were going to have to fight for number one contender or, you know, something like that. Or, hey, Shavkot's now in the mix. Like, Colby just wasn't even in the conversation until the UFC basically made him the conversation. It's so stupid and so silly and so undeserved. And if I'm any other welterweight out there, especially a Bilal Muhammad and especially a Leon Edwards, I'm just so frustrated watching this man. I'm just so frustrated because it's so, it's so stupid. Jed, go. I know Jed, I want to, I want to pass the mic to Jed because I know he's got thoughts. Go ahead, man.
3: He kind of nailed it, right? Like I'm, I was pretty upset immediately. Uh, and I just kind of, it was a really good night of fights and this isn't going to ruin it for me. I had a great time today. We, it is 10 o'clock. The fights are over. They were memorable. They mattered. This is impossibly stupid. Uh, but, you know, whatever. It's not carved in stone is the one thing I will caution here. Colby Covington has had a number of title shots that he was supposed to have and didn't get them. Man knows how to screw himself out of a good time, but he has done it repeatedly, so maybe this won't happen. Leon seems very uninterested in this fight, which is totally fair and reasonable, so there is a world where Dana just has to relent because... I, all right. Here. Here's what I'll say on this. Fight. I got two <laughs> theories, guys. I don't need to talk about whether it is deserved or not. You nailed it, Shaheen. I, we're fine. Two theories. I got two of them on what happened here. And I, I want to hear your thoughts. The first, the one that I originally thought and the one that is my own. Dana has been saying he's got something for the MMA media and we all thought that he meant it would be another big expose like when he put AK in uh, the black and white lighting and was like, you tried to kill the UFC. What if it's this? What if he has just realized that we don't give a shit when he comes at us about doing our jobs and so instead he's just going to infuriate half of us into literally having aneurysms. If so, well played. Honestly, just great mental warfare. Full props to that. Theory number two, saw somebody post this. I for, uh, Forgive me, I don't remember who, but there is – I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying I'm interested. I've, I'd hear more if you were – you know, had a display table up and were asking me if would you like to know more. The UFC went to Colby and said if you drop these – Charges against Jorge Masvidal, we will give you a title fight because we want Masvidal to be fighting for our business. We don't really know what's going on in the Masvidal Covington case. I have to assume that his uh, whatever the suit of head trauma is gone because you can't credibly claim like serious head injury and then also be trying to fight for a world title in a combat sport. But, I mean, I guess we'll find out. So, which of those two theories do you guys think is more likely? Because I got nothing else. The idea that that he deserves it, that's clearly nonsense. So, I can't figure out why else the UFC would be so adamant. I was talking to Casey about this on the, on the presser. I understand it in, like, a broader sense, and that's fine, whatever. Like, I don't agree, but who cares? I don't – what I what bothers me and I really don't get is the dismissal of Jorge Masvidal because Jorge Masvidal also doesn't deserve the fight. But at least that is a baked-in story that your champion is like – pushing for so it's really weird to be like it does not matter what happens in Miami Colby's getting the next title fight like that's it's really tying your hands for no reason the UFC doesn't have they know it doesn't have to say that they can still just give Colby the fight later but it's taking something off the table in a really weird way so I'm down to those two theories guys I don't know which one I think is more true but they're the only answers I have I will say this
2: and I'll let Shaheen answer this question uh I just looked it up uh, that case is still open, so nothing has been closed yet. Masuda's yeah, Col- to to Colby's not going to
3: retract it. Colby's not going to retract it until they're on the record. They had they didn't even tell anybody he was going to weigh in. If he if he pulls the case and then flies over there, Dana can be like, the case isn't even there. What the hell are you doing? Colby is is not a genius, but he's not a fool. So maybe that case comes. If that case gets gets pulled in the next week, I'm saying that's that's a lot of smoke for me.
2: Well, it's possible because the last time we this case was discussed in court, Mazdal's attorney said he wouldn't be shocked if this thing was closed by the end of the month, which is this month in particular, so just saying we'll look if that uh,
3: happens a lot of smoke for that particular conspiracy theory.
2: That's that's quite the theory. Do you buy into any of these theories? I have my own theory, Shaheen, but I'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if you agree with those. I mean, now you you kind of piqued my interest. What's your theory, Mike? Yeah. It's way less interesting than Jed's two theories, but I've been saying for a while because I, I know people are saying like no one was even talking about Colby in the title discussion. I have been, and people thought I was crazy that if especially with Burns and all fighting each other. That if Gilbert Burns beat Jorge Mazadal, there is a very real world that Colby Covington could slide into a title fight with Leon Edwards. It would not, sh- it wouldn't have shocked me in the slightest. But what what happened was, we went from just saying like this is a likely thing to happen, to this is a rea- this is a potential reality. Once Dana realized how much buzz Colby got when he stepped on that scale, and nobody knew about it. Because he even said like, oh, my kid even called me and was like, what the hell is Colby Covington doing weighing in? And he was like, oh, we didn't even want to make this a secret. We never even promote who's going to be the backup fighters because no one ever asks us. Which, by the way, is not true because when John Jones is fighting false. Stipe, yeah, when John Jones is fighting Stepe, I think Alex Buonan was the one that was like, is there going to be a backup for, or not John versus Stipe, John versus Cyril Gunn? is there going to be a backup? Dane said yes, and he was like, well, who is it? And he goes, well, I'm not going to tell you. You'll find out. You'll see. We're not going to, I'm not going to tell you who it's going to be. So clearly people ask about it. And then when you say, we're not going to tell you, then why would you ask again? So that was a big deal. Colby stole a ton of headlines on this fight week. And I think Dana saw that and was like, well, maybe we have lightning in a bottle. It's the pro, the old pro wrestling narrative, Shaheen. We, if we can't miss you, if we don't leave and Colby left for a while and people apparently missed him. Because he created quite the stir and I think Dana saw that and was like hmm maybe we have lightning in a bottle here that we didn't really expect or see coming here that's my theory uh so none of this really surprises me I don't necessarily agree with it especially when you just take all completely out of the conversation because that seemed to be the trajectory we were going here because what's the point of him fighting Gilbert Burns right now the frame like it still matters but it, does, it has way less meaning now, does it not? Like it just seems so weird to make that decision to pull this trigger right now when this fight is three weeks away from happening.
3: <laughs> it's. I mean, it's pretty important. Is, oh. It's. It's important because oh, look. I, if if Dana would have just been honest and been like, it doesn't matter what happens in Miami because we all are very aware Gilbert Burns is about to turn Horry Masvidal into roadkill, I would have bought it. I'd be like, all right, cool. They're at least being honest about what that fight's about to be. Uh, it, it matters because it means Hori Masvidal gets to leave the rankings and not be relevant anymore because he will have lost like seven in a row or whatever it is at that point. But, yeah, it's that's the part that gets me. Like – it's, it's very weird how committed they are to this avenue.
5: It's not as if it's gonna like sell a million pay per views either. That to me is like one of the, the most, maybe perhaps the most confusing thing. Like, I understand Welterweight's not a division full of stars, and maybe Colby is probably the biggest name sort of sitting around, but he's not some Titanic name. Like, he's not a Conor McGregor. He's not even a John Jones or anything like that. Like, this is going to perform slightly better than whatever the alternative would have been, but it's not gonna just go gang bucks, gangbusters at the box office. Welterweight sucks, frankly. Like, right? Like, if the current welterweight, the current upper echelon of welterweight right now, you have three people who actually deserve to be in title competition right now. And it's Gilbert Bernstop, Katn Ragmanov, and Bilal Muhammad. And none of them are even close to it. Like, that's why welterweight sucks. Like, we've, we're doing the thing that we did at Lightweight, where we just shuffle through the same stuff over and over and over and over again. Like, it is what it is, man. But if I'm Leon Edwards, I mean, kudos to Leon tonight for no selling every instance of it i'm just being like man especially again like what i said like that guy that guy of all guys to be like dude i sat here for so long spinning my wheels getting nowhere in this division and now you're just going to keep handing this dude gifts like respect to leon because he's calling it like he sees it and he's right
3: there's a bigger issue that we haven't touched on which but honestly the biggest issue that anyone should have with this is what if colby wins i'm not going to pick him to but well, what if Colby wins? Imagine the world where Colby Covington is your welterweight champion, not because like it's morally bad or whatever. There are two options if Colby wins. Well, frankly, one of these options actually exists forever and is probably the most likely outcome. And I want to go lay down in traffic just thinking about it. And it's Conor McGregor getting a welterweight title fight after he beats Michael Chandler because Michael Chandler sucks. That's probably going to happen anyway. we cut it. And that's just going to suck all of the air out of my life. But the other options <laughs> – the other options, if, if Colby gets this fight and wins, there – is he fighting Shavka Rachmanov? God, no. He will never consent to that fight as the champion because he's not a fool. He's not fighting Shavkat. He will either – Fight Kamaru a third time because the UFC forced his hand and Kamaru's like, oh, I have two wins over the current champion. I should get it, which then puts us right back in this shitty room of, "Okay, can we get a new person to fight for the title, please? Or more likely, he will be like, I'm either fighting Connor or I'm fighting Alex Pereira slash Israel Destiny slash the middleweight champion because once that dude gets an undisputed belt, he's not defending it against Bilal Muhammad. He's not fighting Shafqat. He's not fighting Ha- He's not doing those things. So it's, you are creating a world where it's, the outcome is, can be bad. Like that's bad matchmaking. You should not create a, a terrible dystopian future as 40% possibility. Like, what are we doing?
2: It's just, It's so weird. Again, I'm not surprised. And for all you newer fans out there, the ones that jumped on like right at the beginning of the pandemic, welcome to the UFC. This is how it works. There is – we've been telling you. The word deserves, although Dana used it in a certain context when it came to Colby Covington, it doesn't matter. Strike it from your vocabulary. This is a money-making business. They have a big debt to repay. They're trying to just make fights that – at least in their
5: minds, will sell. So, it's just I don't it's, know. It's just it's so funny to me the way that people try to frame because I I already see it happening in my, my mentions. I see it happening in the chat right now, y'all. We can see you. Like the way people frame this conversation is like, yeah, you guys just don't like Colby. You guys just have our thing out for Colby. Like, nah, man. Is it really so much to ask to fight one person that is relevant in the division ever before you keep be be given all this opportunity? Like, one person. Fight one person in the UFC Top 15 welterweight who's not Jorge Masvidal, and I will give you all the credit in the world and be like, yeah, Kobe deserves it because obviously he's very talented. It's just, it's skipping steps in a way that is... Again, like we should be talking about Leon Edwards tonight. Like this should be about Leon Edwards. The, the headlines tomorrow should be about Leon Edwards. He just did an incredible feat. He just beat Kamara Usman twice in a row. Like that's that's remarkable. And instead, Mister We Don't Make Fights on Fight Night has unleashed this upon us. And now this is what half the focus is going to be. And it's just such a disservice to Leon, man. Fight one person who's relevant, one person, and then we can all shut up. But you know, doesn't matter what we say.
3: No one there in the UFC
5: is. beat
2: Kamara Usman once. No one in the UFC beat Kamara Usman once. He goes out and beats him twice. It's absolutely, it's it's incredible. And again, I'm not surprised by this. I've been throwing this narrative out for a while that if if Leon wins and Gilbert Burns beat Jorge Mazadal, we, we are living in a world where Colby Covington can get a title shot. So none of this surprises me outside of just the just being so emphatic about it. Like right now, before that Mazadal Burns fight even happens that were nope it's him i don't know nothing else anything could happen anything it could even be a boat and he's still gonna get the title shot Jed the colby there covington is-
5: versus conor mcgregor title fight in 2024 is just gonna be it's happening get ready <laughs> be so get good. freaking ready
3: there is a realistic world where by the end of 2023, we have Henry Cejudo, the bantamweight champion, refusing to fight anyone other than Alexander Volkanovsky. We have Alexander Volkanovsky, the featherweight champion, refusing to fight anybody other than Islam Makhachev. Islam Makhachev has already called for a fight with Leon and God knows, maybe he just Uh. decides that's going to be his new thing and is only fighting for the welterweight belt. Welterweight champion, Colby Covington refusing to fight anybody except for Alex Pereira, the middleweight champion. Pereira probably fighting Drickus Duplessis in the funniest fight imaginable. Jamal Hill, your undisputed light heavyweight champion who was ranked eight like three months ago, but because a comedy of errors happened, he suddenly is the champion while here he's still out. And John Jones is the heavyweight champion. What kind of nonsense world is this? What if? Crazy idea we just let deserving challengers fight. just let's just try it for like a year and see what happens we just like (laughs) what if we're just like hey let's let guys who've been winning a a lot of relevant fights
4: let's just see what what happens maybe the
3: divisions will shake out it'll be cool then we'll be like oh this is fun and interesting new people fighting for the belt all the time great times love it it'd be great I I honestly desperately want that to happen. I want us to be in a world where we are gridlocked in all of our titles because none of them want to fight people in their own divisions. It will be the perfect ending to Conor McGregor breaking the UFC in 2016. You stole the words out. Of this is my all mind. Connor's that fault. The, it's all Connor's natural, fault.
5: That is the natural, inevitable conclusion of what started in two thousand sixteen with the Connor situation. That, that us getting to this point—it almost is kind of nice, dude.
3: For for fifteen years, the UFC allowed one fighter to fight for a belt twice. It was BJ Penn, and it was one time, and then they let Connor do it, and now it happens every week. And of course, if you keep letting it happen all the time, more people are going to keep wanting to do it, and then this is just where you are going to get.
5: Yay. Well, B- so- Bilal it gets Shavkat oh Rukmanov, baby.
2: Yeah. You called that, Bilal, You nailed Bilal it. Was, Either way, I, he
5: was getting
3: Shavkat. I said that 285. I was like, I, I don't know what you guys are hoping for. He's getting Shavkat, man. Well, I knew if Leon sucks, won, he was getting Shavkat. to be you, Bilal.
2: Yeah, I knew if Leon won, he was getting Shavkat. Even Bilal had said in, in interviews that if Leon won, he's probably going to have to fight at least one more time. And his best case scenario was that Usman won and you know, even called him out. But even then, like, if Usman had won, be the prize fighter, dude. Like, he probably it's just close. called... with went, went all in on McGregor, which he 1,000% should have. Get that bag before you ride off into the sunset.
3: It's going to suck when he, like, pull, beats Shafkot somehow and still doesn't get a title fight because Colby's fighting Connor for the <laughs> welterweight belt. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be go. incredible. Ah. Uh. It's just a
5: weird, what
3: sport this, we get, yes, I love later it, this year when we're in a
5: later this year, when we're in a world where Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington have gotten five of the last, like what, seven or eight title shots in this division. It's just, again, this is what we get. This is what we get.
2: So that is the main event, the follow of the main event, at least for right now, I feel like the story is going to continue to build over the next several weeks.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
1: Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now, on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Well, let's talk about the co-main event, Shahin Alshadi. You joined us for the watch party. Yes, Dustin Gaichi defeats Raphael Faziv in just a. It was it was a barn burner, but it was almost like a different kind of barn burner because maybe we do have ourselves. A new mythical fighter, nose breathing, Justin Gaethje. The guy can breathe out of his nose, and he just looked like a different guy. Like the chaos factor was still there, but he was landing jabs. He was moving around a lot. He was still doing Gaethje things, but just it just looks so cool and calm and and mature and calculated. A calculated Justin Gaethje out there, and this fight was great. Raphael Fazeev lost the fight, but his stock rose. This is just a tremendous battle. And Justin Gaethje proved the man still has a chin on him. The man can still go and he can still beat dangerous fighters like Raphael vaziev. So now that we've had a couple of hours to digest it, your reaction to Justin Gaethje's just massive win tonight against Raphael Fazeev.
5: You ain't lying, Mike heck the man could still go that the fact that this dude is still out here, giving us absolute bangers at this point in his career. Uh, and frankly looking like better than he has in a really long time, is quite impressive to me. I mean, we we were on the watch party for this. Every Justin Gaethje fight is is must-see television, and this was no exception. But also, as you said, like this was a really kind of refined, improved Justin Gaethje. Uh, I love the mythical fighter aspect to this because he was so... He told the line perfectly between hitting the chaos, mashing that chaos button, and just being a, a more measured patient approach when he needed to against Hafiel al and i the whole thing was just spectacular theater like at this point for justin gays Gage, to consistently be able to give these high quality all-out war of attritions over and over and over and over again throughout his career for as long as he has uh like we i said it earlier in the night but put this man on the Mount Rushmore for the most entertaining fighters in the history of sport. And he will be there forever. Like he, like no one is ever kicking him off of that top four spot when it comes to that, that Mount Rushmore, he's there for life and he deserves it. And he has given so much to the, to of himself to this sport for our entertainment. And it's just, it's, it's wonderful to see, man. It really is. That was, to me, that was his most impressive performance since what, like twenty twenty. Uh, the Tony Ferguson fight when they kind of broke the pandemic and we saw this this, you know the full complete performance from Justin in that fight but even in that fight I don't know man I, I was just blown away because we've been we've been banging the drum especially Jed and I you and I in particular I've been banging the drum here at Lightweight about how Lightweight was so weirdly clogged up where it's almost what we were just saying at Welterweight. The same few guys at the top are only fighting each other. They're refusing to fight down. They're refusing to give these guys like a happy office Eve the opportunity to make moves up the division. And so therefore we're sort of stuck into the same landscape in that really elite tier for, you know, on, on and on and on endlessly. And this felt like maybe the one of the first few detours we've had from that where you had a guy, a Fazeev, get an opportunity against one of these other statesmen uh, and he, you know it was like almost like it was going to be the un- the beginning of the uncorking at 155 and all those obituaries that everyone's been writing about Justin for the past 10 months way too premature man way too premature I I still wouldn't say that this man is going to capture a UFC title in his career I mean if he did tomorrow he would be the oldest UFC lightweight champion ever it it sort of feels like that moment in his life has maybe passed him but he certainly still matters in a real real relevant way and to be able to consistently pull out these fight of the year contenders that's not going to end up winning fight of the year by any stretch he already has three so it's not like he needs another one Uh, but to be able to put on these type of fights over and over again just you cannot say enough good things about Justin Gaethje I was so most supremely impressed from that, Jed. From a betting perspective,
2: even though they're you know, people are trying to, to kind of point you in different directions, you just couldn't quit Justin Gaethje you just Can't couldn't do it. quit on him, especially when you have a plus 200. I think it closed at a plus 205 or 215, maybe some something crazy. Yeah, uh, and then he goes out and delivers a, a great performance. I mean, work the body, the leg kicks were nasty. He's working the jab like Fazeev was busted up in this fight. And it wasn't like Gaethje just went bananas on him. He just had a very methodical approach. I, I mean, he looked inc- he looked really good tonight. And I thought Gaethje won the fight. I didn't think there was any controversy there. One of the scorecards was weird. Giving Gaethje a 10-8 third round was kind of bizarre. Uh, it was a great round for him. It was the most clear round of the fight, in my opinion. But 10-8 seemed a little egregious, but... Your reaction to Gage's performance and him being able to beat Rafael Fiziev and just kind of outlast a, a, a powerhouse and an up and comer.
3: Two scorecards were weird. giving because giving one judge gave Gaethje the first round, which I think is pretty bad scorecard. He he didn't win the first round. Uh, it was awesome. That was that that's sort of the ideal Justin Gaethje fight. He fought a guy who is a better technical striker than him, has more tools, but found a way to blend uh you know moments of technical fighting with moments of roughhouse gaethje nonsense and the fact that he won the fight with a jab functionally uh turning into that like late an adjustment jab not even like a, this is going to be a, a hallmark of our game blew my mind uh i mean that fight was really competitive even the third round was competitive but it the the momentum had clearly swung. If there were two more, uh, Faziv was wearing it um, on the face. His leg was all sorts of torn up. He 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 found the thing that I said going into the fight. Like it did not. It would not have shocked me if Gacy's chin was gone. He'd been in too many wars. He, he did not react well to Oliveira's shots. So it wouldn't have killed me. Like I'd been like, okay, well, that's just what it is, and this is how this fight went. His chin is very clearly not gone. He ate bombs and just kept right on plugging away. And what I said was, like I, I agree, Faziv is is the more technical fighter. Like if this is a technical kickboxing match, but Gaethje has a really good way of making fights into these sorts of moments of chaos and car crashes, as he calls them. And it not a lot of people are going to win car crash fights with Justin Gaethje. He's just he hits too hard, he mixes his strikes too well, and he's too damn tough. Like it's been done, but I, Eddie Alvarez arguably was never the same after the Justin Gaethje fight. Dustin Poirier is about the only person who's ever fought Justin Gaethje and has actually not looked diminished after it. And it's just it is just a a tough ass to say you are going to march through hell and and come out clean on the other side. I, I thought this fight was going to be ugly, even if Fazeev won, but ugly fights are where Gaethje thrives. And he I thought he won the fight. I scored it uh, 29-28 for him, and I think that that's a, the correct scorecard. If you gave it for Fazeev, it's not awful, but pride rules certainly Justin Gaethje wins that fight.
5: It's just it's just uh, the pace yeah. like the the pace is like breathtaking to watch even at this point like I I have I'm Same. an Arizona guy I've said this before like I I've, I've seen Justin rise up the ranks I was there for some some Rage of the Cage fights I was there for a lot of his WSOF fights especially the Phoenix ones the fact that he has been able to do this for as long as he has and frankly is not a diminished version of himself yet and continues to get better, is astounding and defies logic in a lot of ways because he is someone who took such an extraordinary amount of damage before he even got to the UFC. Like a lot of his hardest fights have actually been pre-UFC where he was just getting in these Palomino type Awful (laughs) wars that would just—you would imagine those fights
3: were insane,
5: dude. I was in the building for both of those, and it was one of—I, you know—I've been in the building for plenty of UFC events, and those two fights were some of the most hellacious. Just events that i have seen up close personal like fights action extreme like amounts of damage on just a human being the fact that he is still doing this and able to continue to put these pace on these fools and just come out here and just not let you breathe because it's not just like he's walking you down it's not just like he's throwing punches and bunches it's the leg kicks too man it's just the constant stream of chopping down every ounce of your body while taking the wind out of you while just not giving you a second to figure around what the hell is going on it's magic it's absolute magic to watch and it's it, again thank you a million thank yous to Justin Gage <laughs> for giving this to us as many times as he has because it's it doesn't make sense it frankly doesn't make sense that he's still capable of doing this
3: he's the most okay. exciting fighter in history it's I don't think it's a discussion I think the only other person I'm willing to hear a case for is Robbie Lawler and I don't I, I think that this is in stone Justin Gaethje is the most exciting fighter in history. And you know what's the funniest part of his career? Whenever I, I – because I pulled up his resume, I never fails to make me laugh. Nick Newell fought this dude. The WS Let's take the one-armed fighter, the wonderful heartwarming story, and have him fight Justin frigging Gaethje. It is insane. <laughs> Just – That was as close
5: as you'll get to seeing a murder on like national primetime. I
3: remember when that fight was announced and the forums were like, what the hell are they doing? This is the worst idea I've ever heard. And it went just as bad as you thought it would. God, he has had a remarkable career
5: let me pose the question to you because you i like that you brought up robbie lawler because to me when you talk about the two most exciting oh guys in the history of sport oh. it's easily them, them two and like then everybody else sort of is in a different tier at least in high level right like you got regional dudes who will just be maniacs for the point of being maniacs but like in terms of real potential championship caliber guys at this high of a level it's up too who at their if if you just took like their mount rushmore of fights of all action fights whose oh. whose who's is better like whose top four prime excitement fights is better between those two?
3: Um, it's going to, well. One, can we just take a moment to think about Justin Gaethje versus Robbie Lawler? Just let's just bask in oh, that yeah. for a Because I thought that's where you were going with this, and I uh, uh, some things happened in my soul when <laughs> I thought about that one. Uh, some things. Some- happen guys I'm just telling you that is huh. can you imagine a more guaranteed fight of the year than those two prime peak going at it There's, I, I would pay $500 to watch that fight no no bullshit I'm Just like, <laughs> let's go honestly if Gaethje had lost tonight I would have been like please make this fight happen I don't care if Robbie's passed it let's just do it let's strike while we can cause good god that is the fight that I need uh, if you're going just the top four, it's so tough. My issue is that Robbie has Robbie has the trump of Condit being the greatest fight of all time. Like that is Gaethje doesn't have the greatest.
5: I think the Rory fight is. But the fact that he has two that are in that conversation,
3: two that are in the is, top five, pretty undeniably, which is tough because Gaethje has three fight of the years. I mean, Robbie also has three fight of the years, but Gaethje's fight of the years aren't – they're not the greatest fight of all time. So – but after that, Robbie has a lot of awesome fights. But I think I think Robbie probably has the top two of four, but the next two probably go to Gaethje because like outside of Rory and Condit, like the Hendricks fights are obviously – are very good. But I don't – the Hendricks fights are not as viscerally exciting as Justin Gaethje versus – Dustin Poirier. Palomino, now, there, Johnson,
1: Palomino, Poirier, yeah, now, Alvarez, now the
3: different. Like, there is yeah. maybe something to be said that all of Robbie's most exciting fights were five-rounders, whereas Gaethje has not been that way because his two UFC f- title fights did not go very long and were among his worst performances. So if you're just head-to-heading them in their top four, I think it's that. But if you're going K- time in, time out over the balance of their career – it's – I think Jake she's just he's, – yeah. he's literally never not been in a fight that is awesome, which is – not that's not a possible thing. He has fought <laughs> 28 times, 28 times. There is no other fighter who hasn't turned in one dud, one dud in 28 goes. Like that is insane. Yeah. And the fact that he said after it too, he said after the fight in his speech, like – I wasn't trying to do that this time. I feel like he says that every time. He's like, "I'm not trying to do this. This is who I am." He can't help himself, in his soul. and it it's makes deep him the soul. best. Dude, I love even him,
5: even long before all of this in Rage in the Cage, he was still this guy. Like he was still sure. doing this to people in Rage in the Cage, except it was just like plumbers and dudes who worked at Sears as cashiers, so they they couldn't hold up to it. Like it was just. It's, it's, it's tough it's
3: completely tough dude i i remember in sure dog like forever ago i don't know, i guess it was like 2010 20 or 2011 2012 uh the great jordan breen was talking about him from uh like Rage in the cage and was like just wait till you guys see this dude he's the first guy i've ever seen who's like invented wall and ground and pound where he just puts you into the fence and just beats the hell out of you your legs while you stand against the fence is like, okay, I'm excited. And then for the rest of his career, he's just been the greatest fighter I've ever seen. It's awesome. He he deserves all the money. All of the money.
5: All of the money. It is it is the ultimate indictment on MMA if Justin Gaethje does not retire with millions in his bank account. So uh, I didn't want
2: to do He actually might two.
3: end up being the first like fighter who's in the Hall of Fame like five times because he'll probably get in just for being him. And three of his fights are going in for sure, if not more. (laughs) Like He's going to be the first guy who gets like six different speeches (laughs) over seven years or something. It's going to be
2: incredible. The way you guys speak about Justin Gaethje is the way everybody speaks about Justin Gaethje, including the UFC brass. So I don't want to bring this up, but since the big storyline coming out of it is just weird divisional shaping, Shaheen, after watching how that fight played out, the reaction that Justin Gaethje continues to get, no matter what he does, getting a victory like this, if you're Benil Darius right now, are you thinking, uh-oh? No. I, uh, you're not, you don't think there's like any...
5: He's in jeopardy at all of not getting a title no. shot next. I mean everybody's in jeopardy like this is just it doesn't exactly. none of this follows any sort of logic except for just what people are feeling on the moment but no I mean I'm I'm not going to will that into existence because as much as I love Justin <laughs> uh they, like it's just not a thing that makes a lot of sense and we just talked about how this is, was the first step in the great unclogging that we have going on in the best division in entire in the whole entire sport. So I'm just going to continue on that path. I think we should continue the great unclogging. I think Justin Gaethje should fight Mateus Gamrot because that's another guy who deserves more opportunities at the top echelon of this division at this point. Like, <laughs> let's just keep giving people opportunities rather than running back Dustin Poirier for the second time, which is what I've seen most people suggesting. Which is probably going to happen. Jed, you're,
2: you're, which is probably going to happen. This is, this is
3: nonsense. Poirier. This is nonsense. I love Shaheen. <laughs> this is nonsense, right? Like, this is, I said this before. He he wins this fight. He's fighting Dustin Poirier. And I'm with you on an unclogging divisions. I'm going to make an exception when the fight they're going to make, it will be the 2023 fight of the year. You know how I can say that? Because the last time they fought is fight of the year. It's not like they're going to be any different. They're going to do the same shit. It's going to kick the same amount of ass. It's going to be the best fight you've ever seen. So just tried, he's tried, just going to add one people. more. I mean, it's not going to happen. Poirier doesn't have anybody else. Poirier's not going to unclog the division. is the only guy he's going to fight. And as to your <laughs> original question, Mike, look, I'm, to some extent, I'm with Shaheen. Like, shouldn't worry, because if he beats Charles Oliveira, it should be signed, sealed, and delivered. That being said... He should be worried because if Conor McGregor decides he doesn't want a welterweight title fight, a lightweight oh, title God. fight, Islam Islam's already kind of said that he'd fight Conor, and if Conor beats Michael Chandler, the UFC is going to give him the choice. Would you rather fight one fifty five or one seventy? Uh, my guess is Conor will look at this and say, "I'd rather fight Islam because it's a, you know." That I, I can win that fight. He's like Kabib, and I believe I can beat Habib, and Leon's much bigger than me, and that will be tough. Uh, but you think I mean that we'll really? see what's in Connor's mind. I think he thinks he can beat uh Islam more effectively than he can beat Leon, but I don't know that for a fact. I also think he's more interested in fighting Islam than fighting Leon. Um but I could be wrong. I like I don't I'm not in Connor's mind, so I'm I'm not willing I've- to stay on that. I'm just saying. Beneil should be concerned that Connor is in the equation, not not the Gaethje Poirier, which they'll be up next, assuming Connor doesn't fight for a title. The winner know, of that fight gets if the I, next one.
5: I feel like Conor McGregor for for you know you can say whatever you want about Conor McGregor, he has pretty decent. Okay. I'm going to I was about to say self-awareness but I also don't know that that's true so I'm not going to say that but I feel like he has a good assessment of some type of things and he he fought Habib and he no. I think he understands that no. he's not going to win that fight against Islam where he can look at a guy like Leon who's it's going to be a stand up fight for the most part at least in his mind and so I think he would be like ah that's the one that I want also I think the the cachet of being the first that's, three division UFC that's, champion yeah. far outweighs just being like the guy who won the title twice at, at 155 yeah. in his mind at least.
3: Yeah, I don't think the first part of what you said is correct. I'm going to disagree with you, but you're actually dead correct. I f- I forgot the thought of being the first triple champion. That's yeah. He'll just try and fight Leon. So okay, actually maybe Benny's okay. Just beat beat Chucky Olives. You'll finally get your title fight. Woohoo! It'll be the last meritorious title fight the UFC ever gives out. We're not doing that anymore. That's that's not what we're about these days.
6: Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last.
2: Great win for Gunnar Nelson. Submits Brian Barberina. He got to the ground, and the fight ended shortly thereafter. Not a real big surprise. Jennifer Maya looked great. Casey O'Neill will come back. Uh, It was a fun fight. Jennifer Maya just she looked really good and beat Casey O'Neill. Unanimous decision. Marvin Vittori Roman Delize had themselves a fun scrap. Much more fun than I thought that fight was going to be. But Vittori gets the decision. The O2 arena crowd did not agree with said decision, but Marvin Vittori. Uh, gets a, a much-needed victory, and there were some interesting things on the prelims as well. So we'll take some some questions from the peeps, but Shaheen, uh, I know you're going to be doing a takeaways article for MAFighting.com. We for talked
1: website. about
2: the major storylines here. I was waiting for you to say that, Jed. Uh, but Shaheen, one other takeaway that is just not going to get any shine come Monday or Tuesday with all these storylines that came out of this card – outside of the main event and the
5: co-main event and some of the weird matchmaking. (laughs) I like the way you frame that. Um, I will say just to, to put a pin, a little, a little cherry on top of the conversation we just finished. It will be a crime if both of these – both or one of these men retire without seeing them fight each other. Connor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje in a just girl world would be the next fight for both guys after – regardless of what happens with McGregor Chandler. Like Connor versus Justin. Like we we crap on Connor for whatever, you know, throughout his career. He's had a very odd career just generally over the last like five years. But dude's still one of the most exciting fighters that the UFC has ever seen. Just every fight of his is a bar for the most part. Yeah. Like him and Justin – has been sitting there forever. I would just really love to see that before uh, before we call it quits on all this. Just saying. Uh, m- note from the, the night that we haven't mentioned so far. I don't think anybody else will mention this. And he, growing up, he was my favorite fighter of all time, so I'm going to mention it. Anderson Silva, finally getting his his place in the UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, probably a year or two late, he should have been there, you know, as the moment he, the day he retired. Uh, but regardless, the fact that he is there, very well-deserved. I think I said it on Twitter, but I have a, I, I have a real sense, and especially felt this during the Jake Paul lead-up and just hearing the conversation around that time, that the current MMA landscape doesn't have a good sense of who Anderson Silva is, who he, what he meant to the sport, and really what he meant to just the history of the UFC and just all of this history of that division. That man was the peak of you had to be there to see it. And the aura that he brought into a lot of these fights, especially once he was established as Anderson freaking Silva, was unlike anything that I have ever witnessed as a sports fan, as a combat sports fan, as whatever you want to put it, however you want to frame it. Anderson Silva, if he had retired right after the Stefan Bonner fight, and I think we probably talked about this on Damn We Were Good. Uh, Damn They Were Good. Great show, by the way. You should check it out. Uh, the Justin Gaethje episode, damn, they were good. It's going to be an all-timer. I want in on that. God, um, I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> but if Anderson Silva had had walked away right after that Stefan Bonner fight, we would have never had a GOAT conversation or debate ever again for the rest of this sports history because there, th- that would just be at that point – so inarguable that this man was the greatest talent that we'd ever seen. Like John Jones could do whatever, and it would still have been Anderson Silva, and John would have said that it's still Anderson. Like it, that's just one of those examples of be walking away at the perfect time. It's so hard to do, but just Anderson Silva getting his spot now in the UFC Hall of Fame. One of the greats to ever do it. Uh, again, my favorite fighter growing up. The man who convinced me that wizardry is real. That that you know some people are just like supernatural. Well deserved, long time coming, and I'm really looking forward to seeing his acceptance speech uh, later this year in July. Cause I think that's going to be a really cool moment for everyone to reflect on what this man meant.
3: Am I crazy? Yeah, Can we talk about was. this for a second? Am I crazy that he, it's weird. He's going into the pioneers wing. I think it's very weird. He's going to be the, the only other dude who's in the neighborhood of when he made his UFC uh, debut is big nog and big nog, had an extensive pride career that is really the bulk of why he is revered and in the hall. Anderson Silva is like the bulk of his career that became Anderson Silva and all the stuff you're talking about was 06. Oh, like BJ Penn made his UFC debut like five years before and he's in the modern wing. I don't, I don't get why he's in the pioneer wing. That's very, very weird to me. He's like the he's not- first modern UFC fighter. Who
2: knows? doesn't even knows really matter, though. It's so it weird. It
3: seems weird. No, because it, I feel like it kind of does. Because when you look at like the, the demarcating line, it looks like, oh, here are eras, and they have just slotted him into an era that's not his. He is a modern fighter. The first modern guy feels like he should be in the modern wing. Maybe no one else cares, but to me, it's very, very odd.
2: I get where you're coming yeah. from. It's just... He's a Hall of Famer. Oh. And once he gets inducted, it's just gonna be he's the Hall of Famer Anderson Silva, not he's the pioneer winged Hall of Famer Anderson Silva. You know what I mean? Also, also I get where you're coming from.
5: Yeah. What a what a shut, class. We
1: got this here. Jose say, Aldo, shut, shut Anderson Silva,
5: Jens Pulver. Mm, my Undeniable. god, man. That's yeah. that's unfreaking <laughs> deniable. That is a hell of un- a
3: lineup. Two of the five best fighters of all time, and then a legitimate pioneer. That matters like very substantively to the sport, undeniable.
2: Yeah, Jed, what's your low key takeaway from this card?
3: Um, we talked about it coming in. This was a two fight card, uh, so I'm just going to take an opportunity to show a little love to somebody who not a soul is going to be talking about this today, tomorrow, forever. Uh, did he get a bonus? Let me. Who were the bonuses? What garbage! Oh my God, he didn't even get a bonus. God love Gunny Nelson, phenomenal performance Jake Hadley, a very good one as well You're telling me Yannal Ashmaz just killing A man, there you go, killing Freak. a man <laughs> With Freak. a, like he Landed that left hook while Sam Patterson is dying Look, I'm sad that Yannal has taken Away my hope for a 6-3 versus 6-3 lightweight fight between Sam Patterson and Jalen Turner But still, he nuked This man, How how Is that not worthy of a bonus and I knew nobody else was going to talk about him because it was a prelim fight between debutants, and no one's going to care. But we should all remember it because that was sick. And I think Herb Dean was the referee, was or was that Mark Goddard? Whoever was the referee probably cost Sam Patterson a couple of memories later on in life. But it was awesome. That fight ruled, or that performance ruled. The fight wasn't a fight, but it was a, it was a dope smashing. Dude, the
5: uh, Mark Goddard. The way he caught that left hook as Patterson was falling, was falling down, down. Yeah, that's like Hollywood esque. Like that's a John Wick movie move. Like that's that yeah. was crazy to watch in real time. And
3: predatory finishing on the ground. Like he didn't need any of them. They were super unnecessary after that left hook going down. But he just laid the wood on Patterson on the floor. Like I am now. I come out of this event being like, okay, Leon's a champ. Cool, Justin Gaethje, the man. Whatever. Uh, and I would like to see more of Yannal you know, Ashmas, please. That would make me very pleased to watch him continue fighting. Oh, look, lightweight. Got another one. Sick.
2: Yeah. Uh, I want to just briefly shout out the Shane Burgos Billy Q Award winners for UFC 286, Lerone Murphy and Gabriel Santos. That fight was friggin' awesome. Great fight. Great debut for Santos. Tough fight for Larone Murphy to come back to. It's almost like It was kind of unfair in a lot of ways, bringing that guy in on short notice. It
5: was was super bad matchmaking.
2: But it was a great fight, and Lerone Murphy won. So his O continues, and Gabriel Santos' stock, even in a loss, uh, went up in a big way. So great fight. Loved that fight. Uh, But no one's going to be talking about it this week. So I wanted to give a shine to those guys. All right, let's bring in uh, the bad At a stash in MMA, E. Casey Lydon will take a few questions and put a bow on this for now. I'm sure the conversation regarding UFC 286 will continue throughout next week for sure, uh, leading into UFC San Antonio. But what are people talking about, Casey? Oh, geez. Uh, Okay.
3: (laughs) I bet. I bet it's a lot of mad. I bet there's a lot of big mads in there.
4: I had to. Um, I had to turn some moderation on in the comments. It was getting kind of dumb in there. But uh, yeah, that's that's what we. That's big pay per view. I'm, I'm glad
3: you. I'm glad you stand your boys, guys. Lo- <laughs> love the fighters you love.
4: Uh, Personally,
3: if I'm gonna love somebody that much, it's gonna be somebody like Justin Gaethje, who has only ever delivered happiness and joy when he fights. <laughs> but if you wanna love other people that's you know love is love it's what they say uh, uh,
5: let me turn my light on there sure. <laughs> all right all right also while um, we're waiting can we can, while we're waiting can we just muhammad muhaev is dude, an incredible oh human being for surviving that as long as he did and really just like winning the fight two minutes later like if i was to show you the screen cap that everyone posted on twitter instagram or whatever and then be like, "Hey, who do you think won that fight?" Two minutes later, there's no way you're picking the dude whose knee is getting twisted in ways yeah. that knees should not get twisted. Like, I, I have a women, bad knee. Though. I have a bad knee from jujitsu for the rest of my life. I can't like, like run because of my knee is so bad. And like watching that is the purest kind of nightmare fuel in like that you could possibly feed me. That was utterly ridiculous. That man has no quit, not an ounce of quit in him. He. he yeah it was it was that was what i i
4: loved that fight i loved it i loved his wrestling i loved the grappling in the fight i thought that was an awesome fight that's the problem with these like really 15 fight cards that's on a big pay-per-view so many great performances get just simply forgotten uh including i'm glad jed mentioned it because i i actually forgot um the uh the i forgot his name you You know, know not, yeah, you not, know yeah, not, yeah. Oh, wow and then that was so scary too afterward I, I, he uh, Sam Patterson, he, he he probably still thinks he's in a fight right now. Like t- t- four hours Dude, later Dude, he
3: was he was scrapping for a bit there. There was that clip this morning from like a I saw, I saw ACA card, a fight yeah, or Composa whatever. Yeah, Composa, supposed to fire it out where the dude's like actively clinch fighting the referee a good 45 seconds, seconds after, after, after the, the fight out, stopped. Yeah. yeah. His brain was cool like his he got out. The brain yeah. clearly got shut off and is restarting and trying to put it together. Same exact thing from Sam Patterson. Yeah.
4: I I gotta admit though, when when I see knockouts like that, and especially how Patterson reacted to that, myself, someone who's like trying to actively look for a fight, Hmm. that kind of scares me. Honestly, I'm like that. That just must be just a a horrific nightmare to wake up in. You know, when you're knocked out and just
3: oh, he definitely isn't remembering anything. Well, he didn't wake up. the The (laughs) lights are on. Nobody's home
4: at that point, Casey. But at at some point, reality kind of comes back and. It must be just because I know I've, I've passed out a few maybe times. Maybe now. Submissions. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, four so hours So he a might day be
3: getting just- it now, but like, yeah. it would not at all shock me. It was like, I woke up on Tuesday because, yeah. I mean, you hear fighters say that, like, I, I don't remember anything until I'm riding in the ambulance to the yes. hospital and having a conversation with my wife. Like, you were conscious. You didn't wake up and, like, yeah, I just don't remember it.
4: Yeah. It, it, I, it's I, a I tough feel- sport. Yeah, I just feel fans, media, fighters, everyone just needs reminders sometimes of how freaking dangerous this is. And I think um Gaethje talked talked about that. It's like might not be the most, might not be the most dangerous sport, but it's the most violent sport. And it's just that's what we saw. It's just and
5: it was uncomfortable, but wow, it look it look cool. <laughs> and that's and sorry to go back to what we just talked about for 20 minutes, but that's what makes Justin so incredible to me is that in a sport that is the most violent sport to be the most violent man in the most violent sport. Like you have to take that to such extreme levels of violence and to do it so consistently, they like, we're yeah. never going to get another Justin Gaethje. Like there, like a lot of fighters are carbon copies of others. I pity the, the poor soul who's trying to be a carbon copy of Justin Gaethje because that will not work for 99 out of a hundred human beings.
4: Yeah, ninety nine nine thousand. Yeah, I yeah. A yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, to the questions. Sorry, where uh, did oh, I put that question? No, we've all been kind of crapping on the Colby thing, but
2: where do you where do you rank Colby at one seventy?
3: I can answer this right now. I have my rankings up because I'm working on them. I currently have Colby ranked number eight at one seventy. Honestly, he could be a lot lower, but he, he he's fought he's has one win in three years, and it's Rory so, Muscol, who's not ranked.
5: So I have him in number eight as well. I'm looking at my rankings, but those are also global rankings. So we have Amosov in there, uh, and a couple other guys, and and literally
3: Amosov's eight- the only guy I have above him that's not in the UFC.
5: Well, here, the, me and you have different order, but the same people above him. So I'll just list that mm-hmm. for the people Shavkat Ragbanoff, Gilbert Burns, Amosov, Bilal Muhammad, Hamzat, Kamaro, Leon. All of whom have fought people pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all. That's frankly what it is. Like, you just can't camp on your spot and stay as a top ranked guy, in my eyes. Like, you have to defend that spot at some point. And he just hasn't. Yep. I'm at four.
3: Four.
4: So ranking wise, a couple wise, other people
3: have him somewhere up up there too.
4: So I probably am wise, the
3: highest. has him three. Okay. Or had him. He may adjust, but he has him three.
4: Ranking wise, is the title shot justified? Ranking wise, in the UFC mm-hmm.
3: rankings, Theor- yeah, yeah I think theoretically, so. sure. He's number two in the UFC rankings.
5: But that doesn't I, – I don't even acknowledge that as a conversation because who makes the UFC rankings? Not one of us could name a single person on that panel and none of them – I mean, I'm sorry. They're. All, I'm sure they're all very nice people, but not one of them actually contributes to this space in any like real way, right? I like will, who's in that panel?
3: In the defense of that argument, Colby Covington is our number four ranked welterweight as it currently stands. Things may adjust again after this ranking cycle, but – his top five, top five guy that the champion hasn't fought. The guys above him, mm-hmm. Usman, not gonna fight again, and Hamzat Shumayev, who theoretically is never competing at 170 again. So, there's an argument from the ranking standpoint. I just don't give a shit about that argument, and that's not Jermaine Colby. That's Jermaine to everybody. Like I don't, I don't care what your number is unless the champion has cleaned out the division and it's just. I'm looking for – it. like I care about that when it comes to Alexander Volkanovsky because he simply hasn't beaten most of the top featherweights. He just beat Max a bunch. But if the division isn't cleaned out, if it's not like we're searching for someone, pick a guy with a number, then give me somebody who's been active in fighting. Again, said it a bunch. I just don't think it's a huge ass to want Colby to beat a relevant welterweight. The same way I don't think it's a big ass to want Stipe to beat a relevant heavyweight or anybody. It's just – it's how I approach this.
4: All right. Uh I know it just got announced and we're gonna be talking about it a lot, but oops. Who was your early predict what's your early predictions? I'm
5: gonna assume. I mean honestly on. honestly Kobe might win that fight, you know? Like Kobe's yeah, a very good fighter. I'd nope, I'd no no one's telling, saying that yeah, I think I'll pick Kobe too. No one's saying that Kobe's not a an amazing, excellent top tier elite welterweight, like he obviously is. I'm it's just every them. there are there are lots of dudes in that division with better
3: resumes than him. That's all. I'm picking Leon. Leon's Kamaru Usman's a better wrestler than Colby, and Leon really shut that down. It's not saying Colby can't win it, uh, but he it's he's a different wrestler than Colby, right? Like Colby's a lot more of a chain
5: wrestling, relentless type of wrestling. Like he's not gonna. I don't know. It's it, to me, it's. Not comparable in, term, in terms of the wrestling defense offense matchup there. Yeah,
3: but I sure in that in the wrestling, but Kamaro's is a better control position grappler than Colby is. He's never been very good at keeping people down. He's just relentless on the takedowns. He's also a little bit more of a shot double guy. Like I, Leon's thirty and he appears to be leveling up. Like I, I think Shavkat's going to beat him, but I, I think. There's a very – well, one, Hori Masvidal, who I think isn't very good, like hurt him. So that's concerning to some degree. There's a very good argument that Colby Covington isn't good anymore. I'm sure he's fine. But again, we we haven't seen him beat anybody good and we've only seen him fight like three times in three years. It's, I, I'm picking Leon in the dark because Leon has had had a tremendous performance tonight.
4: Um, yeah it's, when we talk about Kobe I don't, I, don't, I know it's different but I almost get Dominic Reyes vibes where like well he almost beat the champ so mm-hmm. I guess he's as good as a champ but I, I, I get know what you're
5: saying but I mean that's that's the number one thing on his resume like what's the best a close loss a close, loss. To a to close loss
4: yeah it's just. Um,
5: it's, is it yeah. as Mazdrol? Is Mazdrol the best win he has? Because that's no. I no. RDA. R, RDA is the best RDA, best RDA in two thousand eighteen. Like, oh, yeah, th- yeah, it's still, it's still the best. best, best that's yes, best, that's,
4: that's the best
3: way. win.
4: You're asking. Well, that says win. it all then. Yeah, I don't know. That is. <laughs> so we're talking five years ago.
3: Your mileage can vary on the Tyron Woodley win. Like, like shop did no has a better at that point in time. You know. Well, yeah. Well, that's what we've been saying the whole time. I don't. I disagree with you, Casey. Though, like. I think Kobe's better than Dominic Reyes. Yeah, I'm just going to throw it out there as far as a comparison. I'm it not really, I don't
4: really think they're the same, but yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, there is the idea of him, him elevating himself in a loss, which happens from time to time. I'm generally against it because losses aren't wins, but, you know, that's how people go.
2: All right. Uh, Where does Maya go? What do you do with Casey? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll answer the Maya question tomorrow. Uh, I have no friggin' clue. Uh, My Lord Murphy Maya. would make a lot of sense. I mean, this is uh, a big a big, a big, big opportunity for
4: Casey tonight, and I don't want to say she blew it, but, you know, it didn't go her way. Like, how, how big a setback is this for her? Or is this more just, all right, well, because let me, everyone was pretty high on her.
3: It's not a huge one just because she's still young. She's only twenty five. So there's
4: it was, it was it was and it was a competitive uh, loss.
3: Yeah, she, she you know, she stayed fighting. I mean, she lost cleanly, but she's only twenty five, so it's not like a huge, it's it's a prospect loss, right? You, oh, you take a they, step back with her. Easy. Yeah, Casey's fine. You take a step back with her, she fights maybe somebody unranked or somebody at the very back end of the fifteen, and you're you're okay. You kind of move forward, especially Casey coming off the loss. Maya is a much trickier proposition. Um what
5: do you think of Tyler Santos?
3: No, I don't think you could do it just because she, because uh, Maya lost to Chukagian last year. If she beats Santos, then she's like oddly in this thing. I think you got to kill her, and so you do Jessica and Andrade, and you're just like, all right, let's end this Jennifer. Unless you're going to make her fight no, back Je- well, again. Well,
5: Jessica's Jessica's not a flyweight anymore. She's only is that true?
3: Are we are she, we committed to that? She, I'm pretty she's sure. Sure. she's, she's going back she's to the strawweight. strawweight. That's what okay. I said. Okay, then yeah, and then if if she gets to fight up because she's got two in a row, she fights Lauren Murphy. That makes sense. They haven't fought before, I don't think. If you're gonna make her fight back one more time, which isn't also terrible, you know, Macy Barber or whoever is fine.
5: That's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. I don't like. I don't mind that. Yeah.
2: Casey O'Neill versus Joanne Wood is the fight to make. Sure, reasonable. I go with that. Last fight on Joe Last fight on Joanne's deal. Uh, there's some heat between these two. There's a storyline between these two. They don't like each other. Just do Just it. Just
3: giving away Otno beforehand. I was going to say – I, mean, I
2: am picking for – I'm not going to pick for Casey on Otno. So
5: there's <laughs> there, there's your there's your bonus pick. You're pretty good at this matchmaking thing, my guy Yeah, you should have a work. show. Maybe, Maybe a on the ass. MMA Fighting Podcast Network. Great network. Great network. Great network. Great network. Hmm. All right. Did uh, you do, do – Take a couple more.
2: Uh-oh. Uh, when the lights cut off in the octagon, did you think Undertaker was going to pop up when they came back on? <laughs> that was before the Mahayev fight, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like right, yeah, when right, to yeah, right when they were about to start. Yeah, that was wow. That yeah, was hilarious.
3: It would have been awesome if either of the men had just crossed the cage, like, in the dark and was yeah, just like, I was, I was all right, right, when the lights come right, back lights on, on, you'll be rear naked choking me. And everyone will be like, <laughs> what the- just happened? Because they were, like, lights friendly in on the lead-up, too.
5: I there mountain, <laughs> just yeah. out.
0: Have it you ever seen sad.
4: that? Wow. I've, I've never seen lights go out during a fight. I wonder what, like, do they no. just... Is there anything in the rules that say you have to have lights? Is it in the rules? I don't know. That's my question.
3: Uh, that, almost certainly.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> almost certainly, stuff? the answer Special is the fight is stopped immediately and passed. I don't know. I
5: don't, I, I don't see it written down anywhere. <laughs> I just kind of wish that that had happened like one minute later. So yeah, I you know, know. Just to you, figure out. Wait, all oh, weirdness. Man. You know? that's what I mean. Like just for
4: the chaos of it. Yeah.
5: You just the turn on and somebody's knocked out.
4: <laughs> yeah, like if it was right during an exchange, and it happened. Ah. Yeah. Whoever kicked right that cable
2: out, well, timing goes off. Right. right when he had in the high F's leg in that bad position, <laughs> then the lights go out. That he's he's in the choke play. when he comes back on? Yeah.
1: <laughs> the, referee, <laughs> yeah. the referee is
5: unconscious. just pro wrestling. style. <laughs> <laughs> There's a steel chair
4: in
3: the There's cage. There's a chair <laughs> in the cage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what happened.
4: Oh, uh, uh, this guy got, uh, it was mentioned by Bisbing, but I thought it was kind of weird.
3: He had a tough night.
4: Oh, yeah.
2: Is peeing out of parts of your liver during <laughs> fight week confirmed best base for getting finished
3: by body shot? I don't... Do you know what I'm talking about? Look, oh, yeah. I yes. know, but do- okay. My question oh, for Donner... Yeah. My question for Donner, extra large, great photo. Um, <laughs> do you think your liver is on your hip? Because you may want to invest in some questions about anatomy. <laughs> so your, your liver is not your hip. That's- that was the quote. Was I my hips not where I pee or whatever?
2: No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a different. He one. Also, yeah. No, he's talking about Malcolm Gordon. It was mentioned about Malcolm Gordon and why he missed weight—that he was like peeing out.
3: Oh, oh, I'm, I, I did not yeah, catch yeah. that Hadley, part. I thought. Then Jake I thought we were talking about the body. <laughs>
2: That
4: was that was a weird right. part. That was yeah. weird
3: hand part. up, <laughs> hand up. I screwed up. My bad, Denair, extra large. I thought we were talking about the peeing out of your hip line. So,
4: <laughs> yeah, that was another one. There's, an, there's another yeah line. Yeah, yeah. Bis- of, Bisping was really hair killing hair hair it tonight. Yes. Yeah. So Bisping basically said that Malcolm. He ran to Michael Malcolm Gordon after the weigh-ins, and well, actually, Mike, what, what did he say? You probably heard it a little bit. I kind of heard parts of it you remember it was something like that it was weird
2: like the ping parts oh parts of the liver thing i was just like what that was weird and then i went on twitter and everybody was saying the same thing and then hadley just ripped him to the body and he collapsed so yeah i would say it's uh it's a pretty good base for a body shot being uh being an opening
4: yeah it kind of sounded like no you don't take the fight that's what it sounded like for malcolm gordon like but yeah that's what happens yeah. Speaking of Bisping, missed, yeah. can, we, would...
3: can we talk about Gaethje uh, just, just coming from my man's neck in his, in his post-fight press conference? He had shots up for, for Bisping tonight. What was that about? Was Bisping bad in commentary during his fight or was it just about the main event that he was like mad about? I think over? he was
5: mostly mad about Kamaru because him and okay. Kamaru are boys.
3: I mean, OK. Kamaru lost. Like I don't think was Bisping bad during the main event. I didn't feel like he was awful there. They didn't have a great night overall, but it, it didn't seem like they were awful during the main event. But I was doing other stuff, so
4: I, I thought I DC could, did um, did good on the analysis of the main event, especially with the wrestling against the wall and uh, Leon's hand uh, wrist control of Kamara. I thought I, I kind of learned a lot when when DC kind of <laughs> gets in the zone and pays attention to the wrestling part of the game. It um it was I thought he did a great job. But bisping, yeah, he
3: seemed to be okay tonight. I bisping had some bis like for sure, the knee to the hip thing that felt not ideal from bisping. That one felt a lot like bisping was standing, but I, I thought DC was pretty good tonight.
5: Also, just real quick to close the loop and amend something we said earlier, CS racing report out here in the comments points out Macy Barber's actually booked for next week uh, against, um, AGP <laughs> against A.G.P. Lee. Yeah. Oh,
3: so oh, yeah. Maya, oh, fight, the uh, fight the winner of Maya that. Fight the winner of that. Boom. There we go. That's we're done. Settled. Uh, Easy game. To shows uh, you how much I'm paying attention to next weekend's card.
4: <laughs> oh, San Antonio card, right? Is that
0: next week?
3: Yeah. So there's a women's – two women's bantamweight fights. That's more than like all of 2022 on one fight card.
0: <laughs> Wait, Now we're rolling.
4: Now things <laughs> are speaking, rolling. Speaking of women – just, when Dana White talked about this, his little slap show he's working on, and he goes, oh, we have a, um, a matchmaker. And she's a woman, actually. I thought that was the weirdest thing he ever said. I was like.
3: I don't know. Oh. He said a lot of weird things. There
4: was, was a lot of weird things, but that one really stuck out. Like he, and she's a woman, actually. I'm like,
3: okay. All right. Oh, next week we get Alex Perez, Manel Cop. Uh, okay the most of this card is bad but that is
5: is sweet you just did funny things to casey by mentioning cop yeah yeah, you saw that
3: and Uh, alex perez it's gonna be awesome
5: that is
4: good that's
3: that's the the feeling i had when i thought about justin gaethje and robbie lawler fighting is that feeling you just experienced like i
4: (laughs) i wanted to chime in and just say my first experience of robbie lawler was when i was working for elite xc and he fought Ninja Hua, in in um, Hawaii, and I was actually shooting uh, kind of like uh, B roll, kind of like uh, we use it for the promos of, of the fights and stuff of the fi- uh, of the actual fights. And I'm shooting cage side, and that was the first time I just when I and Robbie Lal almost killed Ninja Hua to the point where I think it was Steve Mazzagatti. It was actually he was just punching me in the head, and he actually looks at the he looks at Mazzagatti like, "Why are you making me kill this man?" And I was like, I just go, oh, my God, I love Robbie Lawler. It was just <laughs> it was the most amazing, violent thing I've Robbie's ever seen. The best. Uh, Robbie's and then the I saw Scott's. Uh, don't forget his Scott Smith. His Scott Smith fights, too. They were awesome, too. So I'm, I'm glad Robbie. I'm glad we have so much Robbie Lawler talk today. I wasn't expecting this. One. This is exciting.
3: <laughs> He's the only guy who can That's even nice. make a case against Justin yeah. Beachy. It? He just fought, he just fought a lot more. Yeah. Everyone else. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, can, we, can we make that a podcast for the network? Can we just get those <laughs> two to podcast together about being crazy people? I'd listen.
5: Hell yeah. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Okay. <laughs> uh, that sounds like – that seems like it.
3: Yeah. I <laughs> think we've yeah. done it. we've okay. yeah.
5: done it.
2: Yeah.
5: We've done it.
3: Shouts to Marvin leader. Vittori, living up to being the middle-weightiest dude in the world. We didn't even he, care
2: about that fight. He might just have to fight Brandon Allen to determine who the champion is. The middle-weightiest but, middle-weight champion. It's it might actually is the Marvin is the champion.
3: champion. He's just ranked too – he is. He's just ranked too highly to get the belt. It's, no, it's he's like the Shang Tsung. He's like works. the
5: Shao Kahn of the of the, of the ladder. Like you got to get to him for the, middle the ways, middle-weight. 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 <laughs>
3: He's the middle-weightiest middleweight that has ever middle-weighted. He's (laughs) awesome. I love how ridiculous Marvin Vittori is. Roman DeLizze being confused that he couldn't hurt him was just great theater. (laughs) (laughs) I keep hitting the shit out of this dude, and he's just still here. What is going on? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's a Marvin Vittori fight, buddy.
5: (laughs) I scored that fight for (laughs) him.
3: I think that's reasonable to score for him, but it was – like I was doing live blogging at one point. I was like, I genuinely think Roman Delice is getting frustrated because he keeps hitting him and he doesn't have anything else to try. He's like, I don't know what else to do here. I'm just going to keep winging this right hand see what happens. The same shit happened. It's awesome. Yeah.
2: Second round was was, was really close. Delice clearly won the first. That judge giving Marvin the first is just, a, just incredibly horrible. After we watch it, because three, I was, to three for was definitely a Marvin round, so two is two is a swing round. It was close, so it could have gone either way. Um, all right, hit the music. We're done. We have done it. Uh, what a crazy day! It's weird saying that. at Eleven sixteen p.m. Eastern time uh, on a pay per view. On a pay per view Saturday. It's not even Sunday yet. So there you go. You still have time to to go out, enjoy St. Patty's weekend, responsibly, that is. And we'll be talking a lot more about this card throughout the week, including tomorrow. On to the next one, 11 a.m. Eastern. Myself, the best friend Alexander K. Lee. Lots of this stuff. So thank you very much for Shaheen, for Casey, for Jed. I am Mike Heck. Have a good night, everybody. Love
0: y'all. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure; it's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
1: Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry.